I am uh, praying that uh, it is a, a happy new year for you. I hope it truly is. Uh, couldn't possibly be much worse uh, <laughs> than, uh, than the one we had. So I am praying it is, in fact, a happy new year to all of you. One thing to let you know about um, that uh, we just want to urge you to continue to keep uh, Dave Dooley and his family in your prayers. If you hadn't heard, Melly Dooley passed away and uh, is, she has been healed uh, from her sickness and is with the Lord. Uh, the services are tomorrow. Uh, the visitation is from 1230 to noon in here. Uh, and then the service will be at noon. Uh, you, to know Melly is to love her. And uh, if you knew her at all, uh, you were encouraged uh, by her, her sweet spirit and, and loving uh, nature. And so just look, can we take a second and just pray for them? God, thank you for today. Uh, we're grateful for a new year and the opportunity to uh, come before you in worship and uh, grateful for those who leverage their talents for your glory uh, just pray for Dave and his family um, as they uh, grieve Melly's passing, Lord, but also uh, grieve with hope, knowing that they will see her again. We will too one day uh, in glory and just rejoice that she uh, is with you. Uh, help us, Father, as we open our minds to study your word today. Pray that it will uh, challenge and strengthen us and equip us uh, to live like Jesus in this world. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're starting a new series today called Back in the Rhythm. And at the beginning of the year, our minds tend to turn toward uh, the idea of getting back on track after all the holiday frivolity. Uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, cartoonists out there is a guy named Nathan Pyle, writes a comic book called Strange Planet. Uh, it's a webcomic, and, and he, he posted this recently that I thought really spoke to this. Here's the first couple, pan it's like, it's, they're like aliens, but they talk about normal human stuff in really technical languages. He says, I am going to become a better being. When? In a few days. Okay. <laughs> On the day we traditionally become better beings? Yes. Until then, I will mildly debase myself to maximize contrast. <laughs> exactly. Can you identify, right, like, okay, January 1, back on the diet, right, we're going to do the thing, but until then, hand me the cheesecake, right, like, until, or the fudge, or, you know, whatever. Between that normal dynamic that we experience of the holidays, and we kind of let down the discipline, because we know, okay, the new year's starting, and I'm going to start back up all these healthy rhythms and stuff, our, our and the ongoing, just, just the disruption that we have from COVID-19, I don't know about you, but I am longing for the routines and rhythms that existed prior to the pandemic. I'm kind of like, like kind of aching for that at this point. In his blog last week, the Canadian pastor, Kerry Newhoff, wrote something that really resonated with me. He said, emerging out of the pandemic in all likelihood uh, won't be the return to normal that you hope for. That's because normal is being redefined as we speak. The longer the current crisis goes on, the longer temporary habits become permanent ones. And later he wrote, finding a healthy rhythm during the crisis is essential to being okay after the crisis. And I think he's right. Before the pandemic, online church was simply one strategy among many to expand the evangelistic reach of our church. But in, May, or in, in April and May, online church was church. <laughs> and for many of you watching, it still is church. And, and it will be for some time. And that's okay. As long as you stay engaged digitally in the rhythm of church. 
establishing or reinstating a rhythm is, I believe, how you fight disruption. 2020 was the greatest global disruption since World War II. Most of you don't remember the last time the globe was that, you know, messed up. <laughs> we do now, it was last year. So how do you fight against that? How do you, COVID-19 has rocked our world. And what I want to tell you in this series is that when your world gets rocked, you need to get back in the rhythm. Yes, that's a musical pun. I made it unashamedly. Get over it. Right. So open your Bibles to Acts 17, verse 10. Acts 17, verse 10 is where we're going to start today. It's so important that you understand that these, what we're going to talk about over the, the next six weeks, these life-giving, wholeness-creating rhythms are not, I want you to hear me, they are not spiritual life hacks. Okay, this is something much bigger, much richer. I am not trying to help you cram more into your day. All right? Nor am I trying to help you live your best life now. Neither am I trying to guilt you into doing more spiritual stuff to earn brownie points with God or make up for not being able to be here in person. What I am trying to do is to lead you into greater wholeness by intentionally embracing the, the rhythms that are laid out in the, the Rooted series. We've got a group coming real soon. It's a digital group. So for those of you who are watching online, you can be part of it, absolutely, even if you can't gather. Um, you can talk to Jason about that. Uh, Jason, uh, Jason Scott, no relation for those of you who are new. Uh, Scott at chapelrock.org if you have questions about that. That's getting started. And the companion series, Life in Rhythm, that is kind of the basis for this. Um, th this sermon series is going to sit alongside Life in Rhythm. Uh, it's not like a one-to-one -one thing. This is 10 weeks, the series is seven, uh, but th this lays out these seven rhythms of rooted, the, the, the spiritual life-giving practices that God has given his church to help us grow into wholeness in Christ, okay? That's what we're going to talk about for the next uh, few weeks. And when it comes to getting your life back on rhythm, I believe that there is a hierarchy of wholeness in this discussion, all right. So the the first the first thing you have is at the bottom the bottom tier is a resolution. All right. A resolution is based on how you feel relative to your circumstances. It's it's kind of based in your emotions. All right. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? Okay, me too, right? And it's based on how you feel. In other words, like, I feel fat. I need to lose weight, right? Or I feel like um, you know, I I, I wanna I want to learn a new habit. I want to learn to play the marimba. Like, I'm going to do that, right? So, and it's, it's, this, it's based on how you feel in the moment, uh, based in your emotions. It's a little bit like getting dressed for the day, right? Like, you look at the weather and you go, oh, okay, it's going to be cold. I'm going to wear a sweater. That's about how the uh, resolution. And if you're like me, it's got all the sticking power of, of getting dressed for the day, <laughs> you know, like, okay, you, those of you who raised your hand before, you made a resolution, how many of you have ever broken one? Yeah, that's what I thought, okay, so, uh, but moving up the hierarchy of wholeness, something a little better is a goal, all right, this is performance-oriented, kind of a pass-fail thing, it's based in your will, 
All right? You, you may have, like, so your resolution, like, I feel fat. I'm going to lose weight. Okay, what's the goal? I'm going to lose 20 pounds by the end, or 21 pounds in 2021. Okay, good. How, you know, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to go, the gyms are reopened, so I'm going to go to the gym, right? I'm going to go walk uh, two miles every day or what, whatever. It's performance-oriented. And it's better, I think, than a resolution because there's some specificity there. You've got a plan, all right? This is a little bit like going to work every day. You know, I have a goal. My goal is not to starve. I'm going to go to work, right? I have a goal. I want to be able one day to spend two weeks uh, on a warm beach somewhere or by the fire in the mountains somewhere and not have to worry about what it costs. That's my goal, you know? And, and I've got a goal, and I'm going for it, and that's great. But it's, it's, perform it's based in your will. And I don't know about you, but my will sometimes falls apart. It doesn't, it doesn't stick. <laughs> Ultimately, what I think is at the highest level on this hierarchy is a rhythm. It's a rhythm. It, it, this is something you do naturally, all right? You, you, don't, you don't need a, a, re, a reward to do this or a reminder to do this. It's just, it's based in your personhood. It's who you are. You just do it because it's who you are. And it's, it's like breathing, so on one hand, you, on, on the bottom of it, you've got like, I'm getting dressed for the day, right? It's kind of based in circumstances. Next layer up is, I've got a goal I'm going at, I'm going, I'm going to work because I've got this goal. Ultimately, it's this is who I am. It's like, it's like breathing. I just, I do it without even thinking about it. And the most important rhythm I think you need to be engaged in as we begin 2021 is daily devotions. Specifically, Bible reading. Prayer is a really big part of that. We're going to talk about that next Sunday, so be sure to come back for that because this, it's kind of a, it's almost a two-part sermon. Uh, Bible reading and prayer, they just like peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. Um, but uh, we're, going to, we're going to break them up because there are different ways that you, you do that. Here's what I want to tell you today. It's our big idea this morning. The, the rhythm of daily Bible meet, reading is a primary means of how Jesus creates wholeness in us. The, the, and I want to equip you to be able to do that today. This isn't the only one, all right? I, I don't know even necessarily that it's um, the single most important one. I'd say prayer is, li they're literally co-equal at the top here. Uh, prayer at times may even be more important than Bible reading. But your daily devotions, your time in the Word, your quiet time, whatever you want to call it, is one of the main ways that Jesus creates wholeness in us. And so what I want to do today is to help you move beyond making a New Year's resolution to just, quote, read my Bible more, or really even move beyond making a goal of just saying, I want to read X amount of Bible in X amount of time, <laughs> to making your time in God's Word part of the daily rhythm of your life. And the way I want to do that is by looking at a group of people in the Bible who did that very thing. Look with me at Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 10. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And the reason is he made quite a mess in Thessalonica. <laughs> he, he, he made a scene, and he kind of had to leave in the middle of the night, all right? They sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of a more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek men, or Greek women and many Greek men. So based on several conversations I had with uh, other staff members who've uh, talked with people recently that are just craving that return to normal, I think that's code for a reestablishing of healthy rhythms, it seemed best to me in this series to use a real simple, repeatable structure for each message in this series. Now, listen, I like preaching sermons that have some homiletical snap, crackle, and pop, right? It's, it's, it keeps me from being bored in my job. I, I like it, all right? Even if you don't get it or care, I enjoy it. Um, and, and if I'm interested, that'll help you be interested. But I'm going to err on the side of simplicity and clarity here. Every message in this series is going to have the same structure. What, why, and how. I, I really, I want this to be as simple and clear and repeatable as possible. What, what are we talking about? Why does it matter? How do, you, how do you get in it? What is the rhythm? Why does it matter? How do I get in it? We're going, every, every week in this series is going to be the same thing. It's not going to be exciting that way, but I really want to err on the side of simplicity and clarity. All right? Uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard, Napoleon had three instructions for his generals. You know what they were? Be clear, be clear, be clear. Okay, so we're going to err on the side of being clear. And I, I want to I try to resource you to engage in this rhythm. So here's the first one. What is it? What is the, the rhythm of daily Bible reading? Uh, for the, from the text, the key word here is the phrase translated daily. They examine the scriptures daily. In the original text, it's literally the normal words for every day. Kata hemera in Greek. And it's one of the many times that a form of this specific phrase appears throughout the New Testament in the phrase kaf hemeron. It's this specific phrase that speaks to the dailiness of various activities throughout the New Testament. This particular phrase is used over and over and over again to talk about something that happens every single day. Jesus uses it in Luke when he says we've got to pick up our cross daily. Kaf hemeron, same as what's translated here. He also uses it to point out the hypocrisy of the mob that came to arrest him when he says, I was teaching in the temple courts daily, and you're coming now and night in the garden? <laughs> you hypocrites. Luke uses it to describe the daily meeting of the primitive church in Acts chapter 2. They met in the temple courts and from house to house every day. He talks about, he, Luke also uses it to talk about the daily baptisms that happened in those early days of the church. Later in Acts, Luke will use the same phrase to describe Paul's teaching ministry in, in the public lecture hall of Tyrannus. He says he was teaching there every single day. The point here is that the Bereans were engaging in a rhythm of daily Bible study. Now, and most of, many of them were converts. They were Jewish people who were converting to follow their Messiah, Jesus, but not all of them. Did you notice this? And many Greek men. That's Luke's way to say some of these were former pagans. All right, that, that's, it, it, it's interesting. I think one of the most significant things here is what we read in verse 12 when it says, as a result. In the original language, that's a marker of consequence. In other words, because they were engaged in daily Bible reading, Former pagans were coming to faith in Jesus. That's awesome. And I want to tell you, church, 
that if you will be in the word every day, God will equip you. He will equip you when that moment comes and you can say something to that guy or that gal at the grocery store. But you've got to be in the word. You've got to have this repository. The, the, the well has to be full of living water for you to know what to say and when to say it. This church was doing that. Every day they were in the word. And in both rooted and life in rhythm, each day's reading includes scripture. When you, when you sign up for these things, you get these books. And every single day, there's scripture to help you establish that. If you've never done that before, if you've never been like to have this rhythm of daily Bible reading, it, it's part of every single day's experience as you work through this. There's, there's an opportunity to read and spend time in the word of God. The, 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 the what of this thing is engaging with God's word every day. Now, why does that matter? Why does it matter? Well, <laughs> sometimes I'll see something on Facebook where someone will say, if you could have a conversation with anybody from history, who would you pick? And if that person is a Christian, sometimes they will add the phrase, but it can't be Jesus because we all know that's the right answer. <laughs> right? And, which is kind of odd to me because like, uh, I can have a conversation with Jesus anytime I want. Why, you know, it's he, he, like he literally wrote it down. <laughs> I, I, th I think it's just, it's one of those things where we have to, why does it matter? Because God literally wrote a letter to you. He wrote you a book. <laughs> he, he, he's already communicated who he is to you. Several years ago, N.T. Wright wrote a book entitled Simply Christian. And I believe that history will record this book as being as significant in benefiting the church as C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, was a couple generations ago. It, it, it's that good. And I, will, I have to confess, I was really tempted to just stand up here and read chapter 13 from Wright's book as my, as my sermon. <laughs> but I felt guilty because you pay me. So, um... <laughs> but it's really that good. It's just, it's fantastic. I do want to give you one quote. I want to give you one quote. Listen to this. This is from N.T. Wright's book, Simply Christian, in chapter 13, talking about the Bible. He says, um, and he'd been making the point that some people view the Bible like the owner's manual of their car. That was his point. And then he says this. The Bible isn't there simply to be an accurate reference point for people who want to look things up and be sure they've got them right. It's there to equip God's people to carry forward his purposes of new covenant and new creation. It is there to enable people to work for justice, to sustain their spirituality as they do so, to create and enhance relationships at every level, and to produce that new creation which will have about it something of the beauty of God himself. Listen, the Bible is not just like an accurate description of how a car is made. It's more like the mechanic who helps you fix it, the garage attendant who refuels it, and the guide who tells you how to get where you're going. Wow. I never thought about it that way. That was a, a, a brand new thought for me as I was preparing this week. I thought, well, boy, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> it's all of those things at once. It's one of the best explanations I've ever heard for the why of engaging in the rhythms of daily devotions. And maybe it's more pre pre <laughs> prevalent to me because I had car trouble this week. My battery died. I bought a new battery yesterday. And it just, I, maybe, so maybe that's why I'm just being transparent here. Maybe that's why that spoke to me. But it was just like, you go out and you start to, nothing. No, not, no cranking, nothing, zero. Ah, oh, man. Deb, you know, I'm just really glad we live close. <laughs> um, send Eli with the car. Uh, 
this will keep you fuel. Why does it matter? Because life doesn't work without it. I, I, I'm just, I don't understand. How do people without Jesus live their lives? I, I, I don't get it. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. It, and here, here's, I think, part of, the, part of the thing that is even more significant. The rhythm of Bible reading helps you make sure that you're not being spiritually formed by an algorithm. You need more Jesus rhythm, not algorithm. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I wrestle with this. Do, do, do you know that a search engine is designed to give you more and more and more of the same thing? And, and some of you out there use digital tools, and that's great. I'm Mr. Digital. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But when you use digital tools to encounter the Word of God, it's only giving you more of what you ask for. And very rarely will that push against the thing that you most need to hear. Because if all you want to hear is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, you're rarely ever going to hear, if a man will not lay down his life and pick up his cross and follow me, he's not worthy of me. This rhythm of Bible reading helps you not be spiritually formed by an algorithm. You're formed by a Jesus rhythm. And N.T. Wright's point is the same one I'm trying to make when it comes to the why that motivates us to engage in this rhythm. Because the word, because God is alive and active in his word. Hebrews 4.12. And you who worship him should seek to make time in his word a significant part of your daily life. It has to become part of the rhythm of your existence. Convinced? Good. How do you do it? How do I get in the rhythm of daily Bible reading? Let me just put this on the table right now. There is no life hack. There's no shortcut for this. You just have to make time for it. And that may mean stopping something else. There's no, I wish I could tell you that there's a secret sauce. There isn't. There's no magic bullet. <laughs> The, the, I'm telling you, this might be uncomfortable, but I love you, and I'm going to tell you the truth because I love you. There's no secret sauce. You just have to make time for this. Now, some of you will say to me, well, I'm just not a reader. Well, I'm not a faster either. But Jesus didn't say, if you feel like fasting. He said, when you fast. If you want to be spiritually formed by Jesus, it means engaging in some stuff that you otherwise might not choose to do. Or, or I don't want us to be a church that does spiritual formation on accident. Let's do it on purpose. And that, that means making time for it. Now, you might say, I, I just, I've never really been into reading. Okay, well, at least, at least download the YouVersion app on your phone or, or right now media on, on your phone. If you have questions about that, you can email Jason, jscott at chapelrock.org. You can email him. You get a free subscription to right now media just by attending this church. You can get that totally for free and you can access, if you've got a Roku or a smart TV or something like that, or Apple TV, there's all, it's got an app, it works great. It's awesome. And if you've got a long drive to work every day, it's fantastic. You can get in some Bible content that way. But if you'll let me lovingly push on you a little bit, 
sometimes the straightest path toward wholeness is right through something that's not comfortable at first. And I want to challenge you here at the beginning of the year, on the first Sunday of the year, that, that some of you maybe need to up your game a little bit when it comes to Bible reading. You may find that you are a reader when you realize that it's God who's writing to you. So let me give you a couple answers to the how question. How do I do this, Casey? The oldest way, a time-tested and proven one, is a method called Lectio Divina. That's Latin for divine reading. All right? you, here, here's how this works. You read one passage. It takes one bookmark in your Bible. You read one passage, and then you engage it four ways. And every one of them has a Latin term that, that, that it's called. So the first one is lectio. All right? So just you read the passage. You read it three times, and you go slower each time, and one of them you read it out loud. Sometimes you hear stuff that you wouldn't notice if you're just reading silently, but you, you read it out loud. For those of you who would say, I'm not a reader, that will change your life. Reading it out loud will change your life because you are hearing the word of God. So the practice, Lectio, you read it three times. You go slower each time. First time, just blast through it, normal reading speed. Second time, slow down a little bit. Maybe read it out loud. Third time, go real slow, word by word. All right? So then the next part, the next way to engage it is meditatio. You think the text. You meditate on it. What's it say? What's it mean? You meditate on it. You just kind of mull it over in your mind. You're thinking about it. All right? The next one is oratio. You pray the text. You pray the words back to God. <laughs> so what does that mean? Let's say you're in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus, sometimes I don't even know what it means to be poor in spirit. Would you show me what that means? I, I want to experience your blessing, Lord. Would you show me the places of poverty in my own soul? Oratio. You're praying it back to him. It become, the, the text becomes a prayer, right? You ask the Holy Spirit to teach you the specific application from it for your life. All right? And then finally, contemplatio. You live it. You, you think about the text as it relates to your schedule for the day and your attitude about your schedule for the day and the challenges that you face, and you look at how the text affects those things. And, and what you do is you try to set your life alongside the text and you contemplate what that looks like side by side. All right? So just to review, all right, you've got lectio, all right, then meditatio, then oratio, then contemplatio, all right? That's Latin, their Latin terms. And Christians have been using that method since the third century. <laughs> it's been around a while. And it's really good. I will tell you that when I was in seminary, that was what I did. Because I was having so much content thrown at me. While I was working on my master's degree, I was also a full-time pastor, and we had two more kids during that time. So it was just constant. I, I saw 2 and 3 a.m. a lot during that time frame. And just constant reading and study. And so for my daily devotions, and I'm one of those guys, I can't do my devotions from the same text I'm preaching from. They just, they've got to be separate. Some guys can do that. It's not me. 
And, and so I would, I would do this, and I would just, I'm short, like a paragraph. I'd just take a paragraph every day. I wasn't doing much, but I was getting so much content from other sources, both in sermon study and in seminary, that I just had to live separately. And this is what I did, and it, it blessed me. I believe it sustained me through that time. And if you're going through a time when you feel like you're redlining most of the time, you need to do this. Just dive in deep on one passage. Say, I'm going to learn how to live Philippians. I've changed that now. And I've talked about this before, but I think it bears repeating. The way that I read the Bible now, um, I've just broken it down into five different sections. And I read from one section each day. All right? So there are five major genres of Scripture. You can see those here. The, the law and the history genre, that's Genesis to Esther. So it's the Torah, it's the law of Moses, but it's also this long section of history, uh, of Old Testament history. And then you've got the wisdom literature. You've got Job, through Song of Songs. It's, it's very poetic. Uh, that's, that's Psalms and Proverbs. That's that section. Then you have the prophets. That's Isaiah through the great Italian prophet Malachi. Um, Malachi. All right. And then you've got the Gospels. That's Matthew through John. And then I call them letters. And here's what the Acts through the, through the end of the book. Here's why. Acts is written to somebody. Look at Acts 1. Dear Theophilus. Revelation begins to the churches. It's a letter. They're, they're, they're messages, all right? And everything else in between those are, are, are letters as well, clearly. And so what I've done is I just I create a series of five bookmarks. We have copies of this at the Information Center if you want one of these. If you're watching online, uh, you can go to chapelrock.org resources, and you can download this to print off at home, okay? Uh, and if you want to print off your own, that's fine. If you want to tweak it or whatever. I literally use this. Now, I preach from a different Bible than I read my devotions from, uh, partly because this, I don't know if <laughs> you'll be able to tell, this is a giant print Bible, and I can see it from a few feet away. That's, I, I, I preach like 14-point font. It's great. Um, but my, my daily devotions, I use a different Bible, and I just, I literally use these five bookmarks. And I just go through, it's kind of a unit of thought at a time. Typically, that's a chapter. Not always. Sometimes I'll break it down and do less. I just, I've got five bookmarks, and I read from one section each day. So a section in the law and the history, a section in the wisdom literature, a section of the prophets, a section of the gospels, a section of the letters. And it's so cool. It doesn't always happen, but it's so cool when God works it out where, where a principle that you see in the law is, is um, spoken about poetically in the wisdom literature, and the prophets then talk about how Jesus will fulfill that, and you see the fulfillment of it in the gospels, and then Paul explains how we should live because of that in the letters. It's absolutely awesome when God does that. It, it doesn't happen every day. It, it doesn't always happen. But there are days I sit in my, my office or at home and I'm reading and it's just like, wow, God, thank you. And it takes about 20 minutes on average to do that, except for the day Psalm one, uh, was it? <laughs> 119 comes up. That takes about 30 minutes. <laughs> that, that sucker's long. Um, it's, it's awesome. Now, here's what I love about this. I, I am Mr. Techie when it comes to Bible study, like sermon prep, okay? I have two 32-inch curved monitors on my desk. It looks like the Starship Enterprise. It's a huge wall of screens in front of me to study the Word of God. I Greek and Hebrew, and I'm just clicking on stuff, and it's awesome. I love that. I love carrying a, a virtual library. I have 12,000 volumes in my digital library. The latest 
um, you know, think of Logos Bible study software, uh, Logos 9. I mean, as soon as it came out, I up upgraded. I love that stuff. I still have my devotions out of a paper Bible because I don't want to be sp spiritually formed by an algorithm. I want to be formed by a Jesus rhythm. I'm as techie as it gets that way, but I, I'm, when it comes to daily devotions, I'm, I'm all analog. Now, I've used plans where you check the box, right? It's written out on a piece of paper or maybe in a version app. You know, you've got, you've got the app that, that um, has that where you can, you can tick the box. Here's, I've tried those. It doesn't work for me because I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. And sometimes I mess up and sometimes I miss a day. And then I feel guilty. I look at this and, oh, I missed a day and I got to catch up. And what happens when I miss four days? Oh, this is going to take an hour. I don't have an hour today. Ah. And my experience is either the thing that's supposed to be life-giving becomes a drudgery or, or I quit. I'm just totally transparent here. And so what is better for me, what is more life-giving for me, what works for me is to establish this rhythm. And it's, it's just a simple bookmark. Five of them, actually. I missed today. Ah, crud. Back in it tomorrow. So like, Casey, when do you do that? When I get it done. Most, what I have found is God speaks to me most profoundly when I have a cup of coffee in this hand. It's weird. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. Uh, so morning coffee is usually good around breakfast. That's what I did today. Bowl of bran flakes, cup of coffee, Bible. It works. Or sometimes in my office. I, I, I carry that thing with me everywhere I go. For you, it might be at work on a break. If you have small kids at home, it might be frequently throughout the day so that you don't strangle the child that you love, you know. <laughs> Ask me how we know. Um, so when should you do it? Whatever best fits your rhythm. That's when. Whatever best fits your day. You got a boss that drives you nuts in the car before you walk in and punch in. Might be a good time. You know. Or, 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 or going home. Maybe, maybe you've got a job that's really stressful and you don't want to bring that home. And so in the car, in the driveway, before you walk inside at the end of the day so you don't bring that garbage from work into your house and you spend some time with God kind of decompressing and working through your day. In his book, Christ-like, The Pursuit of Uncomplicated Obedience, Bill Hull talks about his dialogue with a neighbor who's beginning to read the Bible for the first time. He, he writes, my neighbor's reading the Bible. He's flabbergasted with the violence and the crazy people and the even crazier things they did. Some passages inspire him, others horrify him. He says that some passages are X-rated, but there's no denying that God's word is having an effect on him. It's an experience. He's eating the book, taking it in and allowing it to have its way. This is how the Bible is intended to be read. We are to put down pen and notebook and take up knife and fork. Mmm, love that. How many of you eat every day? Mmm, it's part of your rhythm, isn't it? I hope I'm not alone in remembering the times that Jesus elevated spiritual bread over physical bread. I hope I'm not alone in remembering the words of the prophet in Jeremiah 15, 16. When your words came, I ate them. 
They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Christian, you bear his name. Are you eating his word? Is it part of your rhythm? If you eat every day to nourish your body, how much more should you spend time in God's word every day to nourish your soul, which will outlive your body? See, here's what I've been saying to you this morning. The rhythm of daily Bible reading is a primary means of how Jesus creates wholeness in us. And I want to encourage you and equip you to begin this new year not with a resolution and not even with a goal, but by getting back in the rhythm toward healing and wholeness by spending time in God's Word. And maybe you need to start, take that first step into that rhythm and confess Christ as Savior and Lord and be baptized and begin that walk of following Jesus. We're going to stand and sing here. And I want to encourage you to come to the front. I'm going to be down front. Fred's going to be down front, ready to receive you. If you're ready to make that decision and follow Jesus, then we're we're ready to help you take that first step today. Maybe you need to change up your approach. Your Bible reading has gotten stale, and you're going to walk out of here making a decision to to help create and craft a new rhythm in the new year. Maybe you've been making excuses. (laughs) I want someone to pray with you and pray for you. And maybe you'll grab someone next to you there. Maybe you want to come down front, have someone down here pray with you. We'd be happy to do that too. I don't know how God is moving in your heart. I pray that as the word of God has been spoken to you today, that God is moving in your heart. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me and ask you to respond as God leads you and we sing together this morning.